Hello and welcome to Sir Thriver Unleashed. I'm Reno Romano, your host and a Sir Thriver and advocate for survivors of child sexual abuse and sexual assault. This show is all about the endless positive possibilities of Sir Thriving after sexual abuse. So let's get started with today's program. My guest today, I'm so excited. Her name is Crystal Garcia. She's a human rights advocate, a transformational speaker, a self-love coach. I love that. And a survivor of covert sex trafficking and child sexual abuse. She's the founder of Open Hearts Unite, a conversation promoting unity, sovereignty, and freedom through self-love. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rena. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw your story and and that you're an advocate and you're lifting others through self-love, I, I love that. Okay. So you're a transformational speaker. What got you started on your journey to healing and um, sharing your story? Sure. So my journey was that I spent like a large part of my life, well, starting in my teens, I was suicidal. So I spent a large part of my life just not wanting to live. And in my 20s, it just got worse. And I started to just feel like I was the walking dead. And I felt like a zombie just walking around. I felt so disconnected from spirituality, from anything. I just had nothing. And so my addictions were rampant. That's when I was being also covertly sex trafficked, which is incorrectly called sex work. So I was being exploited and all of the addictions that, that stayed alive to numb out the exploitation. So there was a lot, there was a lot going on, but there was a time in my life where I was like, I just want to be happy. Like, why can't I be happy? You know, like I get that. Yeah. And I could, you know, I could see people and and this is why it's so important to shine, right? Because it was seeing other people's joy that was that lantern out of my pain and suffering. And that's why it's so important to shine because you never know whose life you're saving just by being yourself. So I'd see these men and women just walking around with this deep joy you know, and I'm like, I want that. But it felt like a fantasy to me. It just felt so completely far away. I I might as well have said, I want to go to Mars, you know? And so, but it was just that desire to be happy that opened me up towards joy. And so that's when I started to seek out what that looked like. And, you know, I started doing courses, I started doing, you know, just seeking out healing. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I did too. And I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, I, when I was on Oprah, I told her her show saved my life. Um, and it, because I kept seeing people on her show that were happy and they were able to forgive. And I'm like, that just feels so foreign, but I want it. Yeah. Yeah. So we okay. have to find that, that level of healing and, and how to do that. I'm glad that you've, um, you know, found your way to healing and you found your way back to happy. What was your greatest roadblock that maybe you had to, uh, you know, work through in your process of healing? Yeah. So for me, that was cognitive dissonance. (laughs) It was the most brutal thing to face. And you want to explain that? Yeah, sure. So cognitive dissonance is like, okay, 
what I'm used to feeling, what I'm used to living, and then what I really, who I really want to be in the world. And so it's like, this is my mode of living. This is my old patterns, the destructive patterns, the self-harm patterns. And this is that, you know, that wanting to be that love, wanting to be that difference, wanting to be compassionate. And then the two finding themselves in the same body, (laughs) trying to sort things out. And it becomes like a battle, like who's going to win. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, but this is how I've known how to survive. This one says, and this one says, yeah, but that's not working. (laughs) (laughs) Those those voices. Yeah. And so it's like, it becomes almost, it was, it's like a death process every time. And then death rebirth, like the Phoenix, you know, shooting apart into flames to rise from the ashes. And that was the most brutal process. And every time I grow up, you know, I have to go through it, but that is also the most freeing process. And now, because I've done it so much, I recognize when that's present and I know how to put self-care in place so that it's not as brutal as it used to be when I had no clue what I was doing. Right. Still a challenge, but yeah. So kind of dissonance was the hardest because it was like, yeah, but you know, the self-righteousness versus righteousness a lot of the times, you know, like, well, I want to say this and I want to be right and screw everybody. (laughs) But then it's like, yeah, but you also want to be loved and you also want to be compassionate. So how's that working out for you? So that's, that's been my greatest challenge is facing that inner work. I got it. I understand that completely. I I know it's, it's a struggle, you know, because we're really trying to find ourselves and and who we really are and you know going through that healing process and i know once i went through counseling i went through two, almost two and a half years of counseling but even through the years i find myself going back to for self-care and self-love and and counseling and doing tapping and all sorts of so what do you do for self-care oh yes therapy is a huge one for me That Mm -hmm. has been a powerful piece. So I go to therapy every week because that's just been so amazing and has shifted my life in so many ways that I can't, you know, I, I can't see what I don't know. Like, so I need that professional support to help me through the blind spots and to help me through whatever comes up that I can't manage on my own. And even the things I can manage on my own to go deeper and, you know, in a supportive space. And so that's been like vital. Also the 12 step programs, they, I, you know, I, I cover a rainbow of them and they have been integral because once I, you know, being sober wasn't enough. Once I actually joined the 12 step programs, my life took a complete 180 that I did not expect and continues to expand and just, you know, creating relationships of health. And oh my goodness, I don't know if you heard that. We're having a storm here in New York City. Oh um, my goodness. Very no worries. So the so storms are on the outside and we're <laughs> exactly. healing on the inside. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, so that's been powerful. Also self-love. Self-love, I call it self-love activism, which I believe is the most powerful form of activism and the foundation of, you know, so much. So the the putting self-love in place. And for me, that was very difficult at first because I saw myself as a mon I literally saw myself as a monster. 
So oh, I what do you mean by that? What do you mean you see yourself as a monster? I, I used to see myself as a monster. Like that was my vision of myself. Uh, my mm. self-loathing was so intense and coupled with all of the abuse I had throughout all my life, leaving me feeling like I was worthless, that I, I must not be worthy of love because why would I be hurt like this right. if I was worthy of love? And then on top of that, you know, in being covertly exploited, the exploiters make sure you know you're worthless mm. and the environment makes sure you know you're worthless. And that keeps you stuck yeah. and stuck with them. And because you don't feel like you're worth anything else, but yeah. deep down inside, I knew that I was worthy. I wanted to feel worthy and I knew I wanted to be happy. You know, did you feel that deep down inside, even though they were just jamming us down and, and the way we were treated and the crimes committed against us, did you have a, a feeling deep down inside that you knew you deserved better? I didn't at first. I really right? didn't. But there was a part of me that wished for it. So even if I didn't there. have the knowing yet, I wished for it. And, and I was like, I wish this is what my wife, my life would look like. I still didn't believe I deserved it, but I was like, I wish. And so I followed the dream of it because to me, it was just a dream. And that helps manifest it too. Even yes. the wishing or even just the thought of it brings yes. it into a different reality in a different realm. Yes. And because I do believe in the law of attraction when we put it into action, so, so you talked about 12, 12 step program. So you are on a road of sobriety. Yes. How has that helped in your healing? Oh, it's been amazing. Of course, albeit at first very confronting <laughs> and at times still very confronting, but there it is, the cognitive dissonance. It's impossible to grow without it. Um, but it's confronting in a great way because it's confronting me to live bigger to live better, to be mm. healthier, and to love myself more. And so for me, a big part of that that I had to realize was 12-step is not a continuation of the addiction. Because in the addiction mindset, it's all about, it's even though it's not conscious, it's a form of self-abuse. And so mm. going into the 12-step, I was like, oh, I did something bad. I'm going to have to be punished and do the 12-step. But the 12-step actually interrupts that. The 12-step programs are created to interrupt the self-harm and to move into self-tenderness of sobriety. But often, you know, in my experience, because I was an addict or because I'm an addict in recovery, I did not recognize that I was moving from self-loathing and self-harm into an actual healthy system of recovery. So it's, it's been powerful. Yeah. And so it's, it's promoted my self-love. Because I'm like, oh, I love myself so much. I'm going to continue this lifestyle of recovery. I love it. I love it. You know, and the reason I started this show too, Crystal, was to show victims and survivors the endless possibilities of what life can be like after trauma. And, you know, counseling and going through 12-step programs if they need it. Um, and it's okay to ask for help. You know, I was taught and brought up in an era where asking for help was looked at as a weakness. And we now know nowadays it's not a weakness, but it's a, it's a, a strength. It's an act of courage. Would you agree with that? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And at first, the because it starts with the awareness. And at first, the awareness is embarrassing. It's very embarrassed. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, I was so embarrassed. I was horrified. Some of the things I like even self-flagellated for like years upon years, you know, and I'm like, which wasn't necessary, but I didn't know any better at the time. And so the moving through the embarrassment into like ownership, like being embarrassed that I was an addict and then now being like, what am I embarrassed about? I'm move, I'm, I've chosen a life of recovery. You know, I've chosen a life of health. I'm proud that I'm in recovery. This is, this is amazing. That's so like, wonderful. I, and I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It, you know, we, what, what I share in my TEDx talk is that I grew tired of being ashamed of crimes committed against me. It, it's, it's not our burden to carry, but we carry it. But I knew that I wanted something better, just like you. I wished for something better. And um, I knew that I had to fix what they broke. You know, I wasn't responsible for what they did to me, but now as an adult, I am responsible for the healing, for the self-love, for the self-care. And self-care is not selfish, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's so important. And we know the basics. We know we hear the, you know, repetitive, put your gas, you know, put your, not gas, I'm sorry, put your face mask on. (laughs) I know it's me. Yeah. And, you know, and then help other people. But we don't really often talk about what that looks like. And there's no way to be of service if we're not taking care of ourselves first, because then it's not being of service, it's martyrdom, you know? And then without self care and without that put in place, it's actually a form of manipulation. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're on this great journey and you, you're you're healing. And, and something that really surprised me, I thought once I got through counseling, I was done. I was healed. But I know that um, even people who have not experienced trauma like you and I have, they go through self-care and, and help and healing. And I think that, you know, going through this life, we are becoming who we are meant to be and we're going through all this stuff. And I, and so I thought that my counseling, okay, I'm done with healing. I'm done. But then I found that I needed other things to help keep me positive and primed and prime my mind for success. And, and we have to do those positive things to keep that negativity away. Um, so tell me more about your open hearts unit and what that does. Yeah, sure. So I I started the conversation of Open Hearts Unite to kind of talk about like just across the board, like there's going to be talk about racial injustice for the uh, different ethnicities, or there's also going to be conversations of like self, you know, self-love. What are the actions? How do we connect as community across the ethnic board? You know, like how do we unite with each other? What does that truly look like to come together with respect and love and care for each other? And so to me, that's just, it's, it's always been at the bottom of what I've done, but finally it's just kind of brought itself forward in such a very clear way for me. And so I'm very excited about it and very excited to, to share this conversation with the world because I feel like people are hungry for it. 
You know, yeah. I, I don't watch the news, by the way. <laughs> I stopped doing that. Good point. Years ago. And so if I want to keep up with the news, I'll Google it someday if I want to see what's going. But I don't watch it because it's become just this this fear and this ferocity mm-hmm. and this hate, hate, and it doesn't even matter what political experience or whatever, it's just across the board. And so it's while it's important to stay current on what the events are, there's a way that these things can be delivered that's not so divisive. And, and toxic. So toxic. And, and lately, opinion has come before relationship, you know, like, that's not what's important, you know? So right. I really want to create a conversation that's about uniting people because we have enough division in this world. And quite frankly, I think people are sick of it. People want to come together. We I think do. it's very natural for us humans. I think it's a natural experience of who we are. You know, I think innately we are good. I don't believe in original sin. I'm Christian, but I, I don't believe in original sin. And, I got you. Yeah. And so I believe that we're all originally good. We come from this goodness. We come from this wholeness. And then we've learned because of survival mechanisms that were put in place that we've had to be afraid, you know, but that was the old way of living. Now we're moving Mm -hmm. towards a new experience of life. And that is, you know, celebration. And we need more celebrations. Yeah. We need more celebration. And I agree. Uh, my program, my online program, this, I talk about not watching the news. I don't watch it in the morning. I want to start my, I start my day off with um, writings and, and positive affirmations. I do watch the nightly news once in a while, the national news, just to see what's going on. But I agree with you. If I want to find out something, I'll go online. But that's yeah. one of my biggest tips. Mm-hmm. For self-care is not to watch the news in the morning, the negativity. I don't want to start my day off that way. I want to start it on a positive footing. And so because that sets me up for the rest of my day. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I start every morning with, well, I wake up every morning at four. <laughs> and oh, then you're I start, not, not me. Yeah. I'm not a morning person. I'm, I'm not actually a morning person, but I wanted to do it so I can, you know, just get more done. But so I start every morning at 4 a.m. And then I start with what's called the miracle morning. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. It's an hour long routine that I start it with. And it's just, it starts with meditation and it goes into affirmations and visualization and, you know, and so it's, that's where I start my day. I start my day with that connection that with myself, with higher power, whatever that looks like for everybody or right. you know, non-religious or non-spiritual too. That could be integrity or just, you know, self. Um, Cause I don't feel like there's a disconnect there. Um, and so I just start with that and it puts, it puts a lot into perspective as, you know, as you're saying, and starts a day in a way that works, that's workable. Yeah, I think we should definitely start our day on a positive footing. And I also, with my Thrive Journal, I talk about celebrating, you know, at least three things that you you could celebrate today. And it could be something simple. I had once, I was going through Dunkin' Donuts and the guy in front of me uh, bought my donut for me. And I bought the donuts for the, you know, the the car behind me. So that was just something simple to celebrate and say, you know, look at the positive things in life, right? And, and instead of focusing on all the negativity. 
So you are a speaker and you share your story. You, where did you last speak? Tell us about that. Sure. So I was just at the 2020 end, uh, Coalition to End Sexual Exploitation put together by Nikosi. That was powerful. I spoke there. I spoke with my my good friend, Stacy Sprout and Sister in Recovery. And we talked about sex trade, sexual exploitation to sex addiction to sexual you know, recovery. So we, we did a dual presentation and it was powerful, you know, and then throughout there, I did several, I created several different conversations and meetups that I spoke. And one of the things I talk about is um, BDSM as abuse. Like I, I create that awareness. What does that acronym stand for? Sure. So BDSM stands for bondage and uh, dominant submission is the D. S stands for sadism and M stands for masochism. A lot of people know that as 50 shades of gray type of thing. And so as a former Dom of 13 years, I know that world in a way that most people do not. So I speak up and let people know, I call it my, the emperor has no clothes conversation because if you're aware of the story, I'm like BDSM, the emperor has no clothes. And I let people know the reality that it is abuse and to create awareness to BDSM victims and survivors. So that's what I was talking about. And I'm going to be doing a talk for foster care agency on by the end of this month on teaching the parents, supporting them, teaching their kids about racism. Awesome. That's excellent. You know, I do a lot of advocacy work too and speak out for legislation for survivors one of one of the things is um, the statute of limitations and to make telling safe, you know, I believing survivors when they come forward. You're doing an excellent job, Crystal. I'm just really so glad to have you here. Tell me more about your journey to thriving, because this is what I want to share with with victims and survivors that, you know, it is a journey and it is attainable, but it starts up here in the mind. It starts with wishing, it starts with accepting, and then we do have to believe that we are worthy. So so share what motivates you to continue on your journey for thriving. Yeah, absolutely. So a big part of what pushed me further into thriving was healing my perception of men. So as a Me Too survivor, I, I, you know, and being exploited, I spent, and I'm, you know, not proud of this, but I spent a large part of my life hating men. You know, a large part of my 20s, I spent hating men. Oh, I get that one. I understand. Yeah. And so, like, right after trauma, it makes sense, you know, to have these experiences of, like, but then it turned into a lifestyle. And so it just, it I was imprisoned by it. So when I started to challenge my perception of men, and I did that by listening to male survivors and male victims, and I started to hear their stories and started to recognize that we're right here in the same battle. I mean, different experiences, but the same battle, you know, that they're survivors like I am. And so it did something for me, it began to heal my listening. I started to, you know, let go. Well, I finally let go of projecting my pain onto half of the planet. And I started to reconnect with the men around me and to just have a different experience of men in general. And that was so healing for me because 
that helped me let go of living at the effect of my abusers. Because the only reason I was projecting this onto half of the planet is because I was taking what those men did to me, those select men, and blanketing every other man. So that meant I was still living at the effect of my perpetrators. And I so get that because when I was going through my healing process, you know, we, we have the denial, we have to have acceptance and then grief, but I, and then anger. And I think having that anger um, really sets you on a path to healing because we have, we can't hang on to that anger. We have to let it go. But I was so mad at men, every single man in the world. But then I finally had a shift in perspective and, and it was like, but it wasn't every man in the world that abused me. Right. Exactly. And I kept pushing away the good men that tried to love me. Right. But I wasn't doing self-love, so I couldn't yeah. let them love me. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. Once I realized that, that now, I, you know, I'm in a 22-year marriage. I met, mm-hmm. I met a good guy mm-hmm. that supports me in doing this and, and telling my story and writing the book. So that is such a huge revelation, isn't it? Yes. Oh, it was powerful. When I realized, when I finally realized that, you know, you know, like just shifted my perception of men and realized how skewed it was, I actually felt a physical weight lifted. My whole body shifted. Like I don't shrink from men anymore. I don't, I didn't even realize how my body was reacting to men. Like I would just like, shrink away. And then I just, I went outside and I was so happy and I was walking down the street and I was walking by men and I was like, look at me, you know, (laughs) like it was so great. It just felt so freeing. And yeah, it's amazing how exactly I was keeping myself from having healthy relationships with men. So it was a self-perpetuating cycle. So it's amazing how those who hurt me living at the effect of that were still hurting. Well, the effect of that, I was still hurting my relationships keeping me from having healthy relationships. And I so understand that. And I think everybody listening, you know, they can relate to that because, well, we don't know any better. And I like what Maya Angelou said, you know, we do better when we know better. Yes. And healing and getting help is how we learn to, to do better, to feel better, to love better. And because we all deserve to be loved You've gone on this journey, you're doing advocacy work and you're speaking. So what's next for Crystal? So, yes, yeah, so I'm finishing my book right now. Well, I finished, I'm editing and revising my book right now. And it's called Loving and Celebrating Men, A Woman's Journey into Recovery. So I go oh, I in like depth. Yeah, I go in depth into what that process looked like and everything that I did and how I healed my relationships with men. When is that going to be available, Crystal? That I'm not sure because I'm editing right now and then I would like to send it out to publications. So there you go. Are you self-publishing? I did. I self-published. Yeah. I'm looking to see if I can send out to publications and then go from there. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. If you can. Yeah. I self-publish. I may not do that again. I don't know. Self-publishing is, is, um, I heard it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. I did it through Amazon and It was a great experience, yeah, to self-publish on Amazon. I did my uh, memoir, His Puppet No More, and my Thrive Journal. So it was pretty easy, simple 
and I never thought of myself as a writer. How how freeing was it? Did it did you have a lot of revelations when you were writing? My husband said, I want you to write your book. You've been talking about it for 20 years. He said, I think you're going to have a lot of revelations during the process. And he was wrong. I had hundreds of revelations and it was very healing. How was writing your book for you? Oh, it's it was confronting. And it was many years in the making because I would think the book was going to be one thing and then suddenly it would completely change. And I'm like, oh my God. So right. it's been years this book in the making. And it's I also had to live it. So that was part of it as well. But there were times when I was writing this book that I was hiding under the like half under the blanket, like typing on my computer because it was so challenging, some of the things. But it has been, it has absolutely been healing. Well, it's a powerful process. Yes, it is very powerful. Didn't you feel very vulnerable? When I finished my, my book, I felt very raw and vulnerable. And like, and after I went on Oprah, it's like, what the hell did I just do? (laughs) You know, I was like, oh my God, I just told the world that I was you know, raped for 20 years and blah, 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 and whatever. And I'm like, it felt so raw. Yeah. But what I like to tell people, you can write, journal, write the book. You don't have to publish it. You don't have to go on Oprah unless you want to. <laughs> um, I'm glad I did. Yeah, I would have But I think writing is very therapeutic. And I didn't write for years. And I know a lot of people do journals and have kept journals. And, and I felt like if I put it in writing, it made it real. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause as I was writing it, it was like, I got to process it through my body and that my, you know, it was like a very physical process as well. Like, you know, as well as like psychological, but very physical process. And so it was very freeing, but yes, it, it, you know, it was a very raw feeling, but it was also very healing for me because as someone who was, you know, formerly, you know, exploited and the covert sex trafficking, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest shaming tactics is, you know, the terms such as quote unquote sex worker or prostitute, which takes the onus off of the exploiter and makes the covert sex trafficking victim and survivor the one who's at fault or there's, you know, so I just wanted the victim blaming the victim blaming massive and most of society has bought into it that that's a that's a huge problem so I wanted my whole history to be out there because I'm like I am just people need to know and and I just need this to be out there and just share it and be free like so it was it was very raw absolutely I spent a lot of time like just freaking out (laughs) like like, I know like what did I just do (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What the hell am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's also been incredibly healing and free. It is. It is. And so I encourage the listeners, you know, if you're keeping a journal, if you want to write a book, write that book. If yeah. you um, want to go on shows, share your story. I think by keeping it inside, it keeps us stuck from living the life that we want to live. So, you know, how do you view life now? Are you happy? Oh, I'm so happy. I wake up every day, you know, suicidal, you know, ideation is not a thing anymore. I, you know, I wake up every day excited to be alive, grateful to be alive, you know, 
being thankful that I'm alive and excited to do, you know, just work on the projects and, and be this conversation and make a difference for others if possible. So and now that I am where I am now, looking in hindsight, I'm like, obviously, I'm like, oh, that was great. But I'm like, okay, now I get the purpose that I can transform that into. So, you know, I went from seeing myself as a monster to finally seeing myself as who I truly am and the love that I am. And, you know, I, I love life. I celebrate life. It's life is wonderful. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for sharing that crystal. I, you are not a monster. You're a beautiful human being. And oh, look yeah. you. you're radiant. You're just being. You. Yeah. I know that now back in yeah. the day though, that's definitely a process. I know when I was in therapy, um, one of my sister survivors, I had a big revelation and I went into therapy the next week and I was just beaming and she was, she was legally blind. And she said, I I hope you don't mind if I share this with you, but when you first started coming, coming to therapy, your aura was gray and all different shades of black and gray. And, and it was just lifeless. And you're beaming today. I can see all the colors of your aura, you know, and, and I thought, well, she's kind of crazy, but then, (laughs) but she was legally blind and she's beautiful. And she was such an inspiration to my healing. And, but I could, after a while, I am like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Cause I could feel the colors and and happiness. And I think happiness and joy do have colors Mm -hmm. and, and they're like the rainbow. There's so many different colors and and vibrant. And I can see that coming out of you. Oh, thank you so much. That's so yeah. beautiful. I, I've enjoyed so much talking to you. And that's, that's what I want to share with those who are listening and watching this today, that there is life after trauma. There, the, the possibilities of your potential is endless. Mm, yes. You, you agree, Crystal? Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's like trauma makes it seem like this is the world. It's like this dark little hovel. But the reality is the world is so beautiful. It's so great. It's waiting for you to come out and play and enjoy when you're ready, you know? And so life only gets exponentially better. And even when you think it's so great, it only gets better from there. Oh, I like that. The world's waiting for you to come out and play. I like that. All right. Well, we, we're going to have to wrap up here. But I really enjoy talking to you. Where can my listeners go to find out more about Crystal Garcia? To my Open Hearts Unite. That's there. I love it. Open Hearts Unite. I like that. And uniting. And we need to unite as a world. And um, a lot of us are struggling. And we need to be there for each other. And if if our story can help someone, then we've done our job, as Diane Ladd says in her quote, the actress. And I just really want to thank you for being here today. I hope you had fun. Oh, this is wonderful. I love talking to you. Thanks for having me. And you're so radiant. Oh, you're so sweet. So when you get your your book done, we'll have to have you come back. I would love that. All right. You, you keep us posted on when that's going to be done. And, um, you just keep going, keep advocating, keep speaking because, you know, I know when I speak, once in a while, men and women will come up and say, that happened to me too. Yeah. And and they're like, thank you. So we need you, Crystal. And, um, you know, bless you for getting out there and doing that. Thank you so much. It's an honor. All to- right. 
Well, I'm going to have you back. So, all right, we're going to wrap up. I've had fun. Listen, Sir Thriver, if you're listening to us, the possibilities of your potential is endless. Yes. Please call for help. Get help. Get healed. Get happy. That's part of my No More Shame campaign, which I'm going to just blow up and take it, it. nationally and then globally. No More Shame campaign. Right, Crystal? No more shame. God. Yes. No more shame. Woohoo! No I'm more shame. Yeah. All right, Sir Thriver. Thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, I wish you peace, love, and ciao for now. Bye.